Today's sponsor is Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me best as the inventor of Soylent Turkey, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you are listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about Silicon Valley's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. Today in the red chair, we're talking to BJ Novak and Dev Flaherty, co-founders of the new and highly talked about The List app. It's a mobile social app for making lists. You may also know BJ as a stand-up comedian, including on the American version of The Office. And Dev has been working for a number of companies, most recently Fab.com, as the head of its UX engineering. Welcome, BJ and Dev. Thanks, Kara. So, so now you're an internet mogul, correct? Well, this- we're, we're on our way, we hope. And this is, I think, the most important stop. So it's All right. So time. talk to me a little bit about how you decided to do this. Because it's really, I mean, I'm not saying you're a celebrity app maker, but you're, and you're not Kim Kardashian, clearly. Um, but you, what, what prompted you to want to do this? You're doing, you have a career in Hollywood. Um, you're working for a bunch of different tech companies. What prompted you to move to this? Um, I have always admired tech, like from the outside, the way people admire Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It just always seemed like a glamorous, cool thing where you mm-hmm. could have an idea and make it happen. I, I had friends in it. Uh, and so that's just sort of the backstory why it appealed to me when I had an idea that I thought, why isn't there this? Mm-hmm. Um, the idea for this came from every time I would go to New York, I would email the same friend and say, what's that list of restaurants that you always recommend? Right. And I thought there's, there should just be like, you know, this is before mobile, like was that big. There should be lists.com slash Ricky right. where you can just see everybody's lists. And I would pitch this to everyone I met in tech and they reacted the same way I think I would when I when people would pitch me mm-hmm. ideas for TV shows. Right. You know, it sounds like a perfectly fine idea. I don't mm-hmm. think you know what it takes. Do you have a showrunner? Do you have a network, et cetera? Right. But I, I loved this idea. I really thought it made a lot of sense. And what reaction were you getting from the techies? Like? I was getting exactly that. I, I'm not saying that's a bad idea. It could work. I don't – do you have a technical co-founder? Right, do you right, have, right. You know, like, yeah. no, I don't. I'm just you know a guy with an idea. Just yeah. like, uh, you know – just like the analogy I made before in Hollywood. And so I, I like this idea. I, I drew it up. I hired a company to make mock-up screens. I just wanted to show people that I really meant it, and I, I was excited uh, to try to test it out. I showed it to people and showed it to people, and I kept asking for introductions until finally I went to this uh, breakfast in New York uh, with the uh, the guy who ran the studio that made the mock-up screens. Mm-hmm. I met the first guy there who wasn't treating me too nice because I was a celebrity or too skeptical. He actually met me at the idea and said, I like this. I don't like that. Uh, he said, I know a guy you should meet. I, I, it's a long shot, but I'm, he might really respond to this kind of thing. It was Dev. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met for dinner right away. I thought, you know, I mean, look at this guy. He should be on the cover <laughs> of Fast Company. Um, <laughs> so, and, uh, so what he, did he you think, He had real background and, and a real yeah. connection. Yeah, he can take it from what there. Did, what, what did you think? I was just immediately drawn to – it was back – this was back in um, about – about a year and a half ago, and, right. and and it was it was kind of it was in that period, kind of post Buzzfeed fame, where the listicle had just been kind of like thoroughly adopted by everyone right. from Buzzfeed to the New York Times. Right. And I guess what I had re- almost immediately kind of thought was, like, if there were a way that you could kind of give that voice to everyone, mm-hmm. just allow them to make lists about whatever anything and everything that came to their minds and share it. 
um, not in like a pyramid structure setup, but more in a more traditional social network product structure that we know we're used to from uh, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter. That could be really, really powerful, and who even knows what people would make lists about, whether they would be practical. So were you wondering why BuzzFeed hadn't done this or someone else? or um, I did, mm-hmm. and I did my homework, and, I, and I, I, we, we looked at a bunch of products that, that uh, kind of tried to do related things. There wasn't any close parallel, though. Um, there were a number of apps that I felt had tried to... Um, it really, really focused on on practical lists, like mm-hmm. like to the point where if you were using the application, it would have been very hard to even like step outside of that mindset and even think about making a list that mm-hmm. wasn't mm-hmm. about places, books, TV, etc. Like you know, pretty much anything that could be routed to an API, anything outside of that box, they didn't focus on. Mm-hmm. And so when we really delved into it, what we wanted to do first and foremost was to create something that was uh, I like to call it categorically agnostic. And essentially what I mean by that is that it, 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 we don't try to force you, we explicitly do not force you down any path. Uh, it really is just a, a, a simple template that removes the um, kind of the friction of syntax and just lets you do with it what you will. Right. Um, and that's produced some awesome results. So you guys started making it when, BJ? Uh, I'd say we started talking a year and a half ago. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, early development to a little after that, and I'd say pretty active beta for the past six months. Yeah, and you've been trying it out on your friends, correct? What's up? You've been trying it out on your friends. Oh yeah, yeah, getting everyone we could on it. Right, trying to diversify the the people. You and have a lot of celebrities interests. on there. Yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Is I that mean, the point? Is you're trying? Are you trying to? Well, I think there's two aspects to that. One is often they're the people that I know, and okay. I would be excited to read their content. But mm-hmm. I, I think also uh, there's definitely a high proportion starting out of celebrities, but mm-hmm. also media companies. It's really so that, we, again, as Dev said, we, we want it to be agnostic and uh, allow everyone to feel like this is a place where they can make a list. So we wanted people who were leaders in different fields, whether it's Vogue or The New Yorker or um, you know, uh, The Onion or NPR. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't want it to be any one thing. So I think that's why we tried to get you know recognizable people. Obviously, they they add some glamour and some mm-hmm. interest to it, uh, which was very appealing to us. But um, it, it certainly wasn't meant to be uh, sort of a celebrity magazine, if that's what you mean. Right. Well, no, I'm only thinking because you think about something like Quora, like this is it's sort of in that area, in that genre, the idea of answering questions. And they have a mix between well-known right. people and people just answering questions. And it's in that idea of helpfulness, I guess, or giving people insight. And that's done through Ant Q&A, which has been a very popular medium in mobile and all kinds, and not just mobile, but on the web. And lists are another one, this idea of being helpful to people so that they can do things with them. Right. And there's one very simple feature uh, on the app, which is very popular, which is called the open list. So mm-hmm. in Compose, you can add a little plus sign, which means please add. And then uh, people can add suggestions to a list. And if the list maker approves it, they double tap it and it goes on the list with credit. So I think that's the aspect that especially uh, is compared to Quora in the sense that you can ask, you know, restaurants in Boston anyone can add it if you mm-hmm. like it it goes on your list and you might end up with the definitive list of your friend group of places in Boston even before you've ever been there because you crowdsourced it so what are the problems that you would see with this of people not making enough lists not having enough people doing them uh, oh. you obviously have a popularity ranking you have all kinds of ways to get people reading them our, our, our main so like Twitter like people totally. people read it a lot but don't use it as much absolutely um, I mean well our main concern in the, in the very beginning was really just um 
not really concerned, but the unanswered question was, what are people going to make lists about? And I think in our, in, we were kind of thinking to ourselves, because um, it's hard. This hasn't existed before. It's hard to step outside and imagine you know, beforehand exactly what the breadth of lists are going to be. Mm-hmm. And we were thinking to ourselves, if we're, if, we, you know, if we're lucky for every nine lists about um, you know, um, my, my favorite movies, my favorite books, you know, real practical structures that which people, most people like which people do like but 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 i think what we what we what we knew but didn't really have what we knew in our gut but didn't have anything to point to to say that this is true was that um emotional lists self-expressive lists lists that were inherently less practical would be really really powerful mm-hmm. um more possibly even more powerful mm-hmm. but we didn't know what that breakdown was going to be and we we were i guess we we, we wanted to create something like I said, that would work for both. And we were pleasantly surprised to find that, if anything, I think we were kind of just like flat out wrong about that and that these great, fantastic, emotional, almost like um, diary-esque lists are the ones that are, whether it's comedic, whatever it might be, but these lists that are not inherently, not what you consider to be traditionally um, practical. I actually think a lot of them are practical. I mean, things I learned from my divorce, for instance. Mm-hmm. like That's a really inspirational, helpful story, but I don't think it's what you'd immediately think, think of. of. List. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Do you think the list concept has gotten, I mean, BuzzFeed sort of has taken it and revived it in a way. I mean, uh, magazines, newspapers have always had lists. Mm-hmm. They've always the top, especially around critics, around movies, around shows. But they really have taken it to a new height. At the same time, people mock them for that, like that it's kind of silly and, and sort of edible, but not real anything. How right. do you how do you look at that? Because you, you're an entertainment vehicle here, too. Yeah, I think one thing that is great about uh, BuzzFeed and they're on our app they have an account and they mm-hmm. do really great stuff uh, is that it does show how funny and appealing and accessible a list can be and, mm-hmm. and uh, that photos, you know, it's not just necessarily text, etc. But I think uh, it has become synonymous in internet culture with sort of a you know, an easy click as mm-hmm. opposed to something substantive and we because we organize our lives so much in lists even mentally as Dev was saying Things I learned from my divorce, things I did this weekend, mm-hmm. advice my dad gave me. These might all be floating in your head in a linear form uh, that is essentially a mental list that if someone prompts you to uh, to get it out, you actually put it in list form. It looks great. Um, so I think that sort of as a, the flip side or you know, a, a whole other realm of what lists can be. And I think that's why we're proud of sort of the publishers that are on. The New Yorker is on. Um, you know, Vogue is on. Mental Floss is on. Uh, so all these places that, that don't simply do one thing, mm-hmm. they can all demonstrate uh, Recode is on. Right, it you is. Know, they, they can all demonstrate what they have to share. If Wired has a list about uh, hidden tricks of the but iPhone, you really want it to that's be regular thing. people, right? You really want it to be more Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, you, were, you brought up BuzzFeed. Yeah, so just yeah. to say there's a whole realm that isn't simply this sort of accessible, entertaining type right, of list. Right, right, We have a lot of that, too. Right. All right. When we get back, we're going to talk about what lists you like and where you think it's going to go. Where does the list company go? Do you make books? Do you? I don't know. i got to think about we'll it. We'll find out after All the break. right. Okay. So if you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the Internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries audiobooks in every genre imaginable, business, classics, history, and self-development, just to name a few. 
I'm currently going to listen to BJ's book. It's One More Thing. Is that correct? Do a little thing. plug. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. What's it about? One it more is thing? a collection of short stories. Excellent. Um, and I shall be enjoying it. I'm going to China. I will download it and oh, listen great. to it there. Thank you. Uh, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership, which I shall avail myself to. Just go to audible.com slash decode and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash decode. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. We're here with BJ Novak and Dev Flaherty, co-founders of a new app called the List App. It is the List App. Right. You're going to lose app. You know that. We will probably lose the the as well. It would sort of be like the web page, web page. We're waiting for Sean Parker to come in and give us that insight. <laughs> it's a mobile social app for making lists. We're talking about where it go, where you go with something like this. Like you collect all these lists. Yeah. You some are popular. Yeah. What, what happens? Is it just is it an entertainment vehicle? What is it? What, what I I mean I, I think it's I, probably everyone sits in this chair and says this, but I I do honestly think it is limitless. I think mm-hmm. if you start with such a universal form. You keep it simple and you get it right and you let everyone know that they are included, whether they have personal thoughts, whether they have photos, uh, whether they have a lot to say or almost nothing to say, but a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you teach everyone this is where you go to make a list or read a list, I think what you can do with that is is truly infinite in terms of becoming a practical utility, in terms of becoming a, a database of people's favorite things and, mm-hmm. and thoughts and expressions. I think the content lives for a very, very long time. There, there are very few lists on this app that are not as valuable a month or a year from now as they were the minute they were written. So, so how do you keep surfacing them, Deb? I mean, that's one of the things is a lot of th- these things can move around. Mm-hmm. What, how do you, you know, you organize them in types of things. You have popular is one of the ways you do it. But wh- how else can you move that around? Well, I mean, the main, the main vehicle is your connection with the other person. Right. I mean, and, and that's what I was kind of getting at earlier. We've structured it. We, we wanted the connection first and foremost to be about, you know, my connection with Karen, my connection with Dede. And that, I think what that allows is that allows the um, the wealth and the breadth of the list to be much more varied because it doesn't start out with a list. It starts out with a person. Mm-hmm. And then it's a question of your connection with that person and the then out of that, the list that they make, which can be anything from practical to very, very much not. Um, you know, one of the things we hear again and again, which I love hearing, is that I'm finding myself making lists about things I never thought I was going to make lists about. I see a new side of my friends that I I never thought I was going to see before. And I think we're just kind of scratching the surface of what these lists can be about. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's such a basic human structural form. And, you know, I mean, every day we're seeing new lists about entirely new subjects. And I think we just need to... As far as like organizing them, the way that we so we think about it is you know is primarily the way that you'd think about a social network. It starts first right. and foremost with the people you follow. Those people you see the list that those people mm-hmm. make, and you know we do have a discover screen that allows people to see the lists that are you know either um, handpicked by us as just lists that we think are great and deserve right. a spotlight. Um, we have an algorithm that presents trending lists that are you know really popular right then at mm-hmm. that moment, and you know down the road, I mean. We're collecting a huge amount of, you know, like structural textual yeah, so data. Decide so I think there one. are a hundred ways that we can, you know, improve the search and discovery down the road. So, what has become popular? What, what are the what are the lists that have become popular? Um, I think personal stuff, funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, Shonda Rhimes posted a list of her favorite snacks. That right, trended. Shonda does a lot there on there. She's a yeah, yeah. I think she. It's a it's a good form for. She has nothing else to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, She's very lazy. But you know, yeah. I think a list of someone's favorite snacks it, it, 
it'd be too mundane unless something prompted you to do it, but I found it fascinating. Um, what was your favorite snack? Um, a warm chocolate cake. Oh, that's you know, a good snack. I didn't even think of that as a snack. I would have yeah. called it a dessert. Oh, excellent. Um, well, then maybe you could make a list. Things uh, I don't think of as snacks. <laughs> I'm not going to start. On the size it's of the a cake. very positive very positive platform. We're not yeah. going to yeah. start trolling. Yeah. Um, you certainly could move into trolling on that platform. I suppose you yeah. one could. We, we've taken a lot of precautions early on to try to... Not people that make vile lists. Yeah, or just sort of very much erring on the side of protecting the community. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's something a lot of us uh, have learned sort of from the chaos of social media, especially if you have large followings on other platforms. Sure. So we wanted to get it right. Really, part of the reason we were so focused on that beta period was to make sure that if the floodgates open and Lena Dunham is on, like it is not open season on someone new. Right, right. Um, She's quite a target too. Right. Um, But in terms of what uh, is popular, I would say uh, um, sort of mundane lists from interesting people. Um, There was this one, uh, thoughts on being a widow, what it's Mm -hmm. like to be a widow. I I was fascinated by it. I didn't know who the person was. Someone relisted it. Um, And again, when you remove, I don't think anyone would have written that in paragraph form, Mm -hmm. uh, unprompted, but in a list form, it's just a collection of your thoughts. Sure. That was trending a couple days ago. um, Cheryl Strayed Strayed made a really popular list a few days ago. It was uh, items found in my mother's car at the time of her death. Oh, at forty-five. That's a very Cheryl Strayed thing to do. Yeah. It is, but, yeah. but at the same time, I, mean, I think that's a great example. I mean, no, yeah. you, you, the you list would, is super powerful and personal. Is, yeah, um, so I think a lot of stuff like that so is especially things. well. Yep. Interesting. Which surprised us because we thought, oh man, if we get you know everyone's Anthony Bourdain's you know favorite restaurants in Paris, we got an app, and and that stuff is very popular, but not nearly as popular as the personal and. Uh, personal expression. So where does it go from there? Where, what, do you, what do you do? Make books or what can happen to a list? <laughs> go backwards from go tech backwards into the from printed. tech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make a scroll. A TV uh, show. I think eventually you have a, I mean, at the rate that it's, it's growing and, and the potential that I think it has, I think you have, you know, just, you have an enormous communication platform and, and database of people's, um, you know, shared opinions and, and thoughts the same as you would have, the same as Tumblr is, or Twitter is, mm-hmm. or Pinterest is, something like that. Is there, when you look at what's available for people to do express themselves, and there's lots and there's no shortage of pro- places to do that, it is d- somewhat disjointed. Twitter is quite disjointed. The conversations are are at various times and coming from various places. You have Facebook, but that's largely your friends, and it's it's an enormous news feed. Um, Tumblr, you have to go look at things. It's not quite as community based as. You know, it's more of a website, essentially. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think is missing right now from that? That from these these social conversations? Because you talked about the chaos of social media. Yeah, well, I think it is no accident that we chose a very structured form mm-hmm. uh, that people can hack. I, I think that I sort of counterintuitively, the best creativity often comes when you give people an extremely blank form. You know, my analogy would be rather than give people sort of fun paints, mm-hmm. you know, leave a, a brick wall and a can of spray paint in the corner and see what people do. Mm-hmm. So I think a very blank structured uh, format is uh, is missing a little mm-hmm. bit, um, something intuitive. I also think, uh, you know, something one of the reasons it was easy to get a lot of the people that we wanted to be on so early is because it was just easy to explain. It's mm-hmm. easy to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think there is something missing. People feel very intimidated by things that are, uh, they feel that they're too old for it at 25. Mm-hmm. And I think something that is a little more uh, intuitive compared to how the rest of the world works is kind of refreshing. And where do you me. imagine it going to? Where, where does something like this go? You've worked at other companies, startups. One of your first startups was sold, and the second one had a little different 
outcome at FAB. Still a fun ride. <laughs> it was a fun ride. It um, looked like it from the outside. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that I think that if we can make this the place for all lists, for the, just all lists, and uh, not focus on any one specific category, that ultimately, like, we have a place where people can use this for you offer whether it's a question of looking for uh, a pr an answer to a practical question, a, a a problem in your life that you need a solution to, or you want to hear someone else that's gone through the same problem, whatever it might be. I think you know we're creating a platform that you know embraces something that's so just like innate and and basic. I think that if we can just stay stay true to that, that ultimately it becomes, it, I, I, it, be it can become so many things at once, I suppose is what I would say, like kind of like an endless Venn diagram and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of the same way that, uh, you know, on a platform like Instagram or on Twitter, there's no one Instagram or Twitter experience. We all have our own experience on those platforms that's shaped by how we like to use it and the people that we want to interact with. And that can be wildly different from person to person. Right. Um, and I think that's what's so powerful about it is that, is that it is the simple So you right now have just text, is that correct? Or can you put no, photos? No, photos, 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 photos yeah. yeah, what about videos? Not yet. So. Not yet. Do you think that's something you'll want to do? Yeah, yeah totally. I want to do everything. So what has been the most popular list so far in the list? The single, single most popular list? I don't know. We need um, to find out. We should have found out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But the genre is we emotional. We did not prepare Dev. That's all right. Oh, no, I think there's some funny lists and practical lists and, um, you know, uh, that have been popular, but I'm going to um, do a list of my favorite Chanda Rhyme lists. <laughs> I, you can, <laughs> you know, put in lists of lists. Look, there have been uh, there's over a hundred thousand lists on the platform. We've been mm -hmm. out three weeks, so right. where this can go once we're really and, at and scale. And how many people are using it? How many? Um, we we'll save that number for your. Next all podcast, right, though. all right, okay. But a hundred thousand lists so far. Yeah. Wow, and and again, it's in all kinds of genres. Yeah. yeah. What's the weirdest genre? The What's weirdest the weirdest genre. list? What's the list that was like? What the heck is that? Should I get on my phone? Ed? It's the weirdest genre. There is a porn star named Asa Akira who is killing <laughs> okay. it. Yeah. Um, and she made a list of drugs she has done and what she – I'll tell you the list that really caught my attention. Um, what she does before she goes to work. Oh, okay. Um, and it's a lot of things that you – that we all do before we go to work. It's Some a lot of things really that we don't. don't do. Right, okay. And that was just a funny, amazing – yeah, um, weird list. I'm, I'm looking through right now. And why is she killing it? What's what's? Because that's so interesting. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's like yeah, nothing yeah. anyone else is doing. Yeah. And more importantly, I don't like that's not a you something know. you want to know too. Kind of. What? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's something you might want to know. And, and and where else would you you know where else would that kind of information be shared? Not on Facebook. Probably mm -mm. not. Mm -mm. No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't mom would like that one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. My mom would. So, so we're going to talk a little bit also about where entertainment is going, because this is entertainment. I mean, things have changed in content. Obviously, there's still the traditional forms of content, movies, books. Where do you imagine entertainment is going? You've been on shows. You do books and things like that. How do you look at Here you are dabbling into the tech space. How do you look at the Hollywood industry right now? I think obvi it's obvious and a cliche, but it is obviously going through a great transformation mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the way things get to people. Um, what interests me the most is the um, sort of the reconstitution of form. Uh, I think, and I'm very optimistic and happy about this, I think form is evolving to meet the creative impulse and the, the interest of the audience. So the idea when I worked in the office and we did 22 mm -hmm. minutes a week and then it became 20 minutes and 30 seconds, literally to the second. Mm -hmm. um, when I watch something on HBO or Netflix, it is unimaginable to me 
that I ever worked in this form were something where you were really aspiring to make something great and, and specific and funny and occasionally moving that you would edit it to the second. Like now that I've written a book, if someone said this book needs to be 211 pages in one line, mm -hmm. uh, the idea that I would fit it to that is insane. And yet yeah. that is how television has worked. So now that it's starting to breathe a bit with these forms, um, something could be three minutes long, could be, uh, you know, the interesting thing to me about series, um, now that they're thought of as sort of Netflix will drop the whole series one day, these are, I used to think that the that the television episode was like a short story and a movie was like the novel of mm -hmm. our time. You know, that's my like college student theory <laughs> I had. Um, now it seems to me that the uh, television show is the novel mm -hmm. with many chapters. It's 42 hours, it's 89 hours, yeah. and a movie is like a short story. And I think once you think like that, you realize there are all types of things that we will want to see that cross genres, that cross lengths of time, that are not dictated by these... Uh, old-fashioned forms. And to me, that's the very exciting thing is that if you feel like this announcement a few days ago that Jon Stewart would be on HBO now right. for, I, I'm presuming from the announcement, three minutes at a time. Cool. I'd love to see three minutes of Jon Stewart on something. And maybe you've seen it in a taxi cab and it worked for you. So do, to me, that, that of, is exciting. Do a lot of creators think that way? I mean, not creators necessarily, but actors and others that aren't necessarily. Because a lot of it, no, I'm you have just smarter than everybody. <laughs> but a lot of people haven't been in control of the form. Uh, you people who right. work there, you get your job. And if you don't get it, right. you don't get it. And then you have to go wait for another job. It's been a, it's sort of based on fear and loathing. It feels like from afar is that people don't keep their jobs. They don't. Um, you know, it's not, they are part of the creative process in quite the same way you're talking about. Now you have all these tools where you can be. Um, so, yeah. So what's the question exactly? Then? So what, what is, do a lot of people get that who are, who are actors? Do they feel that way? Do they feel more freed or are they worried about the system? Oh, I think the psychology of an actor is always reactive and mm -hmm. always, you know, I, I think of myself more. I was also a writer and executive right. producer on the opposite. Right. So I'm sort of answering the question from someone who feels empowered to come up with something and pitch right. it and make it. Um, you're right. Thinking as an actor, I think it, you're still reactive to whatever creative opportunity comes to you. And right. yes, fear and loathing are, are very much embedded in the DNA of But as a actor. creator, it does free you. As a creator, it. it's very freeing. Although, you know, there's there's just so much fear. And I would say, look, there's never you're never going to remove the fear that anyone has in terms of when you bring something to an audience, is the audience going to like it? Good. Should there the should always point. be that fear. That should be the only point. That should really. be the only fear. Right. And the fear that the network executive on the way to the other network executive, right. that someone there won't like it, that that can be removed, good. Yeah. And I like a lot of network executives. A lot of them put people on the right track. But ultimately, the relationship is between you and the It gives the you a lot more power, but that's kind of scary in a lot of ways to some well, people. Good. Huh? And sometimes people are protected from the audience, and so they don't right. know right. what the audience wants. Right. Anytime you can – the ultimate relationship everyone knows – is between the creator and the audience. Right, right, absolutely. And Dev, when you're thinking about where social media is going, where it's where apps are going, what are some of the things you think about when you're creating this app now? Because uh, things change. Talk about changing quickly. The internet space moves so quickly now. Completely. I mean, I I, I think a lot about um, more than anything else. Um, when we think about how things are evolving, whether it be a podcast, you know, I feel like that's like a good example of something that's kind of having a great resurgence. Right. And it is. Um, We're yeah. doing really well. Yeah, great. Yeah. And I, I think about that quite a bit. Um, and, you know, because I think at first glance, someone might say that something like the List app 
is like rather arcane, and mm-hmm. you know, it's like that time for that was a while ago. And it feels a little retro, but I it does like feel it. a little retro. But I think I think what is going to be really interesting to see in the next uh, in the coming years is is what is that mix that people are looking for. I, I I don't think that it's just very you know, it's only the most simplistic non-textual platform that can be created. I think that it's a that it's a, a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like that's that's one of the things that I think about a lot, and I'm hopeful that that'll lend itself towards are moving forward. In the, in and the and when you think about where people are going to, you, you, this is a primarily mobile device, correct? Are you thinking uh, right about now. other areas? Yeah, totally. VR, like, do you think <laughs> oh, about other? Yeah, no. Oh, VR. Do you know about ingestibles yet? No. People ingest technology. Oh, ingestibles. Ingestibles. Yes. It's my new favorite thing. I thought you said ingestibles. I no, think. no, no, ingestibles. Like Got you it. eat a, a pill that is a password and it authenticates your phone all day or... I know, or else and they're a sponsor eat. of of the podcast. Yes, they're going oh, to be great. someday when they make it. Um, the other one is the idea that you put something a, a a device in your body that moves around your bloodstream and is constantly bringing data and information back to you, stuff like that. I think it's a lot to ask that people yeah. actually make the list of things they ate today. So yeah, I think yeah. this ingestible yeah. yeah. would yeah. be we'll a great there. tool to yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. partner with them. There's an API in the works, I think. <laughs> yeah. So Definitely. do you? Wait, so what is your goal ultimately for this? You that it's a most popular app, a list making app, essentially. I mean. I, goal we'd like it to be even bigger because we we think that so much is expressed best in list form if you look at what the new york times is doing on the list app it's it's such a great way to consume news so i think that every day new things are coming up in list form and we want to be the best if it's best in list form we want it this to be the place for it yeah i think if we learned anything one thing we learned i think perhaps better than anything else in, in during our beta, which was a great, right. very, very awesome period. How many did you let in there? Was that a small, it was a small group of people? Um, it was, no, the work, it was quite, it was pretty big. Right. Uh, okay. It was a robust beta. And I think mm-hmm. if there's one thing we learned is that um, this is a community. It's a very, uh, like a positive, strong community, I think because of the nature of what people are making lists about. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just, I think that's more than anything else. I think we just want to a continue a safer place. A safer place, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, we the the beta um, was obscenely positive, obscenely right. welcoming, right. obscenely yeah. loving. And yeah. you know, there definitely was a little bit of fear in the last month, like what was well, going to happen. Well, the political season is upon us. You could certainly start down. Well, that there's way. yeah, there's going to be a lot of opinions on the app. So what happens then? Then I think people, you know, express their opinions in list form, and people. Uh, I mean, we can't tell you. I, we don't know, but I think hopefully you can be evil with lists. You you, do. Yes, be, but but, but there, I think it's. I think you know this community has been so positive, and it continues to roll forward. What I was going to say is it continues to roll forward post uh, post beta mm-hmm. in such a positive fashion. Not you know we have a number like BJ was saying we have a number of structures in place, technical structures that you know can help people maintain. And make sure that their experience remains completely positive, and anyone that does upset them is, you know, removed immediately. Mm-hmm. But the honest truth is that those features have not been utilized hardly at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the community is very, very positive to the point where I think that it almost is a little uh, scary to someone that would want to be naughty. negative and naughty, right. which yeah. I think is great. Feel left yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, I'm going right to the porn star, though. I have to tell you, she's awesome. She's great. I, I'm sure. And I'll give you. I'll just tell you, like that's the example, of the type of person that. You know what you were saying before. You see people. Um, you didn't know that people had this in them necessarily. Right. I didn't know that Asa Akira was had this much to say or was this articulate. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Everybody's story is interesting. Yeah, and this gets it sort of draws stories out of people because it's so unintimidating as yeah. a form. She yeah, owned this get, podcast. It could be very she raw. Actually, she could maybe be your next sponsor. Yeah, maybe yeah. so. I'd be happy with that. Uh, last question. Um, 
what do you how do you look at technology today? What is your favorite thing? What's something you'd like to be invented? I always ask people this. Oh. What would you how do you what would you like to have happen? Here you are in Silicon Valley, you're up visiting lots of people, I assume. Um, what would you if you were in front of any of the geniuses of tech, what would you like to have happen? What would I like someone else to, to do? invent? Yeah, or you could invent it if you want. Um I can't wait for my driverless car. Okay. I yeah. cannot It's cool wait. when you drive in it. I cannot wait for anyone who Not wants the one that's outfitted. The one without the wheels. And Which the one we- have you been in? The real one. The, oh. the one that doesn't have the... It looks like a clown car. You look like an idiot. In I'm it, okay with that. I'm okay yeah, with that. It has no pedals, nothing. You just sit there and so drink and text. Just the, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's um, pretty cool. Yeah. I tried to run over the head of driverless car program at How, Google. In a driverless car? Yeah, and it wouldn't do it. It wouldn't See? kill its master. It's ready. It's yeah, ready. I tried. Let's do it. Um, I think there's something about uh, sort of charity and philanthropy that there's there's got to be a better way to measure what how you can improve lives per dollar per action. And I think that if we sort of if charity and philanthropy caught up to the way that the stock market has adopted to technology, mm-hmm. it would it could revolutionize the good that is being done in the world. I, I'm. Every time I'm yeah, right. deciding what to do at the end of the year, and I think you know, I would never invest in a company because I'm from LA, so mm-hmm. I guess I'll invest in the coffee bean. Mm-hmm. But that is how people give to charity, right? And if there was a way where you could actually analyze the good that was done in a, in a way that kept up with the way the rest of technology seems to use data to revolutionize the way we think about things, uh, to me that would be that would be the most exciting. Uh, revolution I can picture. Cool. Last question. Who's funding this app? What? Who is the funders? You all? Um, we started it with just ourselves and then um, about six months ago we raised a, uh, a healthy seed round um, from some folks um, uh, that are more, you know, sil- traditional Silicon Valley angels mm-hmm. um, that should see us through uh, quite a long while. So, yeah. Wow, that's great. And you're working on it full-time. Are you working on it full-time? Yeah. You I'm are? Obsessed, yeah. Are you uh, Are you doing any other entertainment things? This podcast, I thought I'd get more laughs. Um, <laughs>, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I last year I, I wrote a children's book. I never thought I'd do that, but you couldn't pull me out of that when I was doing that. I, I'm obsessed, and I'm there every day right now. It's good that you know Dev has the the background and the uh, passion and expertise and ability to take this anywhere it could possibly go. But um, for now, in the foreseeable future, I, I love putting everything I have into it. And you expect to make movies on TV? I just interviewed Brian Roberts yesterday about where things are going, and I talked about TV networks entirely being on the web. Well, I think that is obviously what's happening when every program you see, download mm-hmm. the, the app, download mm-hmm. the app. Mm-hmm. You know, They want the app to be your gateway to everything. Well, it's, that's what Apple and Netflix say. Others disagree, yep. but we'll see what happens. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank You're you. So cool. Very to be funny. Up there. You have to be funny. You're geeky now. You don't have to be funny at all. I don't know, Kara. I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just go for geek. It works fine. People just assume you're a genius. Anyway, thank you so much. We're here with BJ Novak and Dev Flaherty. Their new app is called the List App. And where can they get it? In the Apple Store. And is it going to be available on Android soon? Of course. We are working on it. It will be available soon. Great. A lot of people use Androids. You might want to get on that. Thank you. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a little tip. Yes. Little, little pro That's tip why we for came you. up here to yeah. learn. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Catch up on previous episodes and be the first to listen to future episodes, including our special edition shows where Peter Kafka interviews the media world's most influential people, all on recode.net slash decode. 
One of the best ways to support our show is to help us improve. And all you have to do is to tell us a little bit about yourself. Take a short three-minute survey at recode.net slash podcast survey and help us by sharing your opinions on this show and how you listen to the podcast in general. Tell us how you really feel. The better we know you, the better the show can be. We always love hearing from you. Take a survey at recode.net slash podcast survey. Up next is my favorite tech guru, Lauren Good of The Verge, here to explain what some of our listeners were not too embarrassed to ask. But first, a quick message from one of our sponsors. Today's Too Embarrassed to Ask is brought to you by Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. And we're here with Lauren Good of The Verge. What are we talking about today, Lauren? We're talking about something really big, Kara. Big. Re- huge. Huge. I it's saw it on your desk. It was large. Giant. And? The iPad Pro. Okay. So it's gotten a lot of press. It has from you, a lot of press. And I saw you playing with it the other yes. day uh, on your desk, looking like a big laptop, frankly. Um, tell me about it. Tell me what's going on with it. It's funny that you thought it looked like a big laptop. Yeah, I did. Other people said, is that your giant iPhone success? <laughs> I've I was got one right here. So w- explain the iPad Pro, what it is. The first. iPad Pro is a giant iPad that has been updated with a much faster processor than the previous version. It comes with Apple's own accessories now. Before mm-hmm. you could use iPads with different third-party accessories. Now Apple is making its own stylus and Such accessory as a keyboard. Or a keyboard, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keyboard. Uh-huh. It does have a very nice display. In fact, Apple says it's the highest resolution display they say that, of they? any iOS device. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and this is really uh, – well, it's really hard to say who it's for. Because it's on the one hand, it's for people that want a really big iPad and have a lot of disposable income because it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. And the other hand, part of the marketing around it has been around this idea that it can run professional-grade apps and it does have all of this processing power. But uh, due to the software ecosystem sort of built, you know, the fact that it runs on iOS, uh, it's hard at this point to envision it as something that can totally take over a laptop. But it's aimed laptop. at the workplace, correct? Yeah, you can see people running things like um, you know, versions of AutoCAD on it, designers, graphic mm-hmm. designers, uh, people who are using he- just heavier software. And why did they do this? What was the uh, to aim at that business? They had to deal with IBM. They're trying to get more into the business area, correct? Well, the short answer is that it's obvious product differentiation, right? Mm-hmm. You take something that's, th- I mean, their sales of, of iPad have been flagging for the past however many quarters. I don't know off the top of my head exactly mm-hmm. how many quarters it's been. because the but phones it's been, are pretty It's, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think in general, I mean, the tablet market is still relatively new. This thing just launched in 2010, so it's only been five years. But, if, but I mean, in general, people aren't updating them as mm-hmm. often as they do their phones. Now we're in an upgrade cycle with phones where we want a new one every year, and there are programs designed now to support that. Mm-hmm. And people get an iPad, and they hold on to it for two years or right. more, and they don't need a new one. So they're one. sort of aiming at, la- at laptops, really. They're looking to sell more iPads. And then if at some point, I mean, Tim Cook has said in an interview, uh, you know, why would you need a PC now? And I'm paraphrasing. Right. But uh, I think the the idea is that eventually maybe a, uh, you know, a mobile touchscreen device is something that will rule the computing world. Um, on a sort of high-powered level, right? But it's this is which others others have done already. Others have others have tried it. it. Yeah. I mean, All right. Well, let's start with a question. It. Okay. At Paul Balsam, any reason to jump to Pro if upgrading from iPad two? Just wondering if I'm safe just getting Air two. 
That is a good question. All right. So the Air, iPad Air 2 is much cheaper. Mm-hmm. It ranges from 499 to 829 Unlike the iPad Pro, oh. which uh, starts at 740 no, What does it start at? Eight, 799 I should know this mm-hmm. off the top of my head. And goes up to uh, 1079 wow. without the accessories. It's laptop prices. That is laptop prices mm-hmm. once you get into that territory. Mm-hmm. Another thing to consider is that you can still use a third-party stylus and a Bluetooth accessory keyboard with another iPad, the Mm -hmm. iPad Air 2 or another iPad. You can use a Logitech Bluetooth keyboard. You can use a Pencil by 53, you know, or an Adonit uh, stylus. And so with certain apps, there are ways in which you can have a sort of more computer-like experience on an older iPad. Mm -hmm. Um, So what it really comes down with with the Pro is do you want that extra large display and do you want the extra processing power because the a right. a9x chip which is the new chip in the ipad pro is significantly more powerful than right. the chip in the ipad air 2 but you may not notice it correct or you would uh you know i think i mean i think it's noticeable okay I think a bit, you know i mean it, but you're an enormous geek lauren let's just acknowledge that I'm a little bit of a geek. Yeah, I wouldn't notice it at all. And we don't, we don't run highly technical benchmark tests. A lot of people, there are, mm-hmm. there's lots of information out there you can find if you're really interested in the, in the benchmarking of these. But this iPad felt very fast to me. All right. From one. Neil Hoskins at Utsi. Alt keyboards for the iPad and any foldable stand for it. Compare the pencil pen accuracy on both, please. Oh, Neil, you're just, he's really like, he just yeah. got three questions in yeah, one exactly. there. All right. Utsi um, is a funny name, too. So the one uh, alternate 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 keyboard that I've tried so far for iPad Pro is one from Logitech called Create, mm-hmm. and it's for um, the iPad Pro for the iPad Pro specifically. And one of the upsides of it is it's backlit, unlike mm-hmm. Apple's own smart cover accessory keyboard. It's it's pretty big. It feels more like a full fledged keyboard. Uh, it has the top row of keys on the keyboard, uh, unlike Apple's own smart cover keyboard. Um, on the downside, though, it's so big that it's pretty bulky. Like when mm-hmm. you're carrying it around, you know, when you've got the one and a half pound iPad Pro mixed with this bulky Logitech keyboard, like you're you're getting into laptop weight. You're right. not right. losing any weight here. No, not at by all. Carrying yeah. around a tablet, right. uh, it's still pretty expensive. I think it's around 150 dollars. So compared to Apple's 170 dollar keyboard, you're not really right. you're, you know you're not getting a bargain. Um, and it still doesn't have different viewing angles, which is something right. that a lot of people have pointed out about right. this thing. So, But there are going to be other third-party accessory makers who capitalize on this iPad Pro and are going to throw out all different kinds of keyboards. So so there are more to come. I would say, uh, you know, Neil should probably hold off for now and wait and see if there are others that come out for iPad Pro. All right. Um, and and the then styluses? he's asking about the styluses. styluses. The pencil pen. So this was in response to a question we sent out about um, – Surface Pro 4, Microsoft Surface Pro 4, and and um, iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. And I will say that when it comes to precision, both styluses are actually very good. But there are design little design differences in each of them that I think make more of a difference. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Microsoft's is magnetized, and it sticks to the side of the surface. Yeah, so like you don't that. have to worry about losing it. Click. I like right? that, yeah. It's like, it's, you know, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And the, the top of it, the cap of it, acts as an eraser, which feels like a very right. natural sort right. of, uh, you know, People use way to, to use, use it, mm-hmm. right? And um, it's got a clip, and there's just like little things like that where you think about it and it's really like, oh, okay, like I'm not going to lose this thing, and it's it's handy and all that. The pencil though, like it doesn't have any of that. I mean, it's weighted, but it, it's not it's not magnetized, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have a 
clip and it doesn't have an eraser because the cap of it is it actually a lightning connector. But it feels very nice. Like most people hold it in their hands and they go, ooh. Like yeah. I, I've, I've like strangers, like people that aren't tech nerds, like they've put it in their hands. They've gone, wow, this feels really nice. This huh. feels like a really nice Real pen. They're good at that at pencil. Apple, yeah. So, um, so those are sort of like the pros and cons of them. Right. But from a precision standpoint, they're both – they're both pretty darn good. Okay. They're not like some of these other Bluetooth styluses I've tried where like there's definitely a latency a delay. Yeah. between writing and seeing your right. digital ink appear right. on the display. All right. Let's talk about apps. This is supposed to be a pro device, but you wrote a story for The Verge recently about problems with the ecosystem at App Store. Tell us about that. Yes. So we at The Verge uh, had spoken to... Is that a- how you say it? We at The Verge? I at the Verge. Okay, all right. Okay. It's fine if you want to be know. like a, we, like a foreign a we're country. A team. That's there's invading. no I in team, Kara. What? <laughs> there, yeah, there's a me in team. There is a me there in team. There is a me in team. But you, you have to sort of mix the letters or in jump. There is a me in team. Okay, so at the Verge. Yeah. Uh, I spoke to different developers of professional software who are really struggling this idea of of porting their professional-grade software to the iPad Pro. So Apple is marketing this as a tablet that can be used in a professional workspace, can support professional-grade software, um, and is a create, you know, sort of creative slate. But when you talk to people that make this kind of software, they are generally charging, you know, it can be $29 for a Mac app download, it could be $99, it could be $300 for this type of software. Mm-hmm. And when they look at the way that the App Store is structured, and they see that it's a lot of free-to-play and that consumers don't want to pay even $0.99 cents for an app, right. they don't see a feasible way to make money off of their software by selling it through iOS. Right. So this is not a so new a problem. problem. I mean, yeah, this is been something that developers have been talking about for a while, the policies mm-hmm. and you know, the ecosystem and the structure of, of monetization in the App Store. But the iPad Pro is really bringing it to light because right. as people start to say, well, can I run professional PC-grade software on this thing? But I'm... I'm tied to the iOS, right? You know the App Store. Then how does that? How do those two things work? Right. How do they? How do they work? Because so, the business, the business area is harder than the consumer. It is, and and yes, and sometimes I mean a lot of makers of this type of software offer free trials of their software, especially if they're charging hundreds of dollars. They'll mm-hmm. say to a consumer, "Go to our website and download a 30-day trial, and then if you find it useful in your day-to-day workflow, or even you know a few times a week, right. you'll pay for it, or your work will pay for it." Right. Um, the App Store is structured in a way that they can't offer free trials. It's basically you go and you have to pay you for buy it. it or not? Yeah. Or you can do in-app purchases, but a lot of times these developers don't want to spend the time figuring out how to meter so out Apple's different. Got to make a business for these or, people. Yeah. So I think that uh, it's a little bit of a come to Jesus moment right now because this is something that developers have been complaining about for you know for a variety of app right. offerings for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, for even I for I'd like to try some things before buying them. I would. But you'd like to try them. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. Would, I'd like a little trial period. I mean, another thing, too, I don't know if you remember the days of downloading professional, you know, of buying professional software on a CD, right? But mm-hmm. but every so often, there would be a major upgrade to software, right. and you would have to go and pay for that software I again. Recall. You couldn't just get it. It wasn't yeah. just a lifetime guarantee where you bought it once and yeah. you had this. But uh, the way that the App Store is currently structured, you cannot do um, paid updates, so once again, these software developers are saying, so what happens once we put our really expensive software and in the app store, want people to pay more. and then two years from now or even a year from now, we're constantly iterating on our software and we want people to upgrade? Mm-hmm. Um, it creates a real problem. And mm-hmm. so I think that um, yeah, it just, it's just something that I think there are plenty of cool professional-grade apps for iPad Pro right now, 
But it's sort of a chicken and egg game because some of the developers are saying, well, I want to see what the adoption is first before I decide whether right. or not to port my app right. to it. But the adoption is not going to be great if people can't get their apps on it. Fair point. And last question, how does it stack up to others that are being professional pro business like Microsoft presumably would be its biggest competitor the surface it's funny that you asked that because we've had this conversation well, it's a very serious it's question. funny it's very ser- well it's funny I don't know what the word is we at recode we ask <laughs> very serious questions <laughs> we at the ver <laughs> we at the verge have had this conversation. all right answer the question we have though we had this conversation last week and everyone said would you get a surface pro at this point or would you get an iPad pro if you had to replace your laptop if you had to do your day-to-day job and most of us said we would go with a Surface Pro, not because we're totally enamored of Windows 10, but because it can run pro- professional-grade software. Right. If I need to run Adobe Photoshop on it in its full form and not a lightweight mobile form, right. then you'd go with the Surface. The Surface. And that's just one example. Yeah. That's a good-looking tablet of some sort. Would you get a Surface? I thought about it just recently because I was buying something for going to China. I ended up buying like a $12 uh, Android device, mm-hmm. but I looked at the Surface really hard. I did, but then yeah. I don't have that many professional grade situations. There are just little things about it too. Yeah, like last time I traveled, I um, not the, not this most recent. The last time I took a long vacation, I seriously considered taking a Surface with me simply because it had um, an SD card slot, yeah. and I was going to be shooting lots of photos and videos. And I thought, what is just the easiest way to? to it is. It's a good do tablet. this. It really and is. I know that everyone's going the way of the cloud. So and you can use AirDrop on. You know, and I know no. there are these other solutions, but I just thought, where can I stick my SD card when I need to? Right. I, um, many people ask that question. An iPad. Many people ask that question. Mm-hmm. Where can I stick my card. <laughs> I'm just not even on that note. Me. Thank you, Lauren Good, for coming in again. I cannot seem to get rid of you, and I actually don't want to. Well, thank in. you, and thanks also to our listeners. If anyone has any tech questions they would like us to address and too embarrassed to ask, you can find us at, at Recode and at Lauren Good. That's good with an e at the end on Twitter. Send send us your best and your weirdest and your toughest questions. Things and we'll you're try too to embarrassed to ask. And we're going to be spinning this off at some point, correct? I'm in very excited show. about that. Yeah. So we're going to be embarrassed to ask in a bigger and brighter way. It's going to be all Oscar and Felix and just total awesomeness. Fantastic. All right. At Lauren Good, or you can also do at Kara Swisher for too embarrassed to ask. If you want to make a hashtag, you can do hashtag TETA, T-E-T-A. Thanks, Lauren, and see you next week. And thanks to you for listening. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. We always have a new episode every week. In fact, we'll soon have two episodes, a new one with Peter Kafka Weekly. Next week here, I'll be talking to Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky, who leads one of the world's most talked-about unicorns and is coming off a major political win here in San Francisco. Tune in then, and thanks for listening. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes, featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay.